So we are, uh, again, continuing the series that we started last week, um, titled Not a Fan. Again, the series is based on a book uh, by author Kyle Eidelman. And uh, just as I shared last week, there are um, outside resources that will go along with this series if you're interested in that. Uh, I said there is a non-fictional book that you can get from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any uh, anything like that. that has, it's titled Not a Fan. Again, tied, uh, author is Kyle Eidelman. Um, also in that is, is there is a six-week daily devotional journal that is available to go along with these as well. And again, this you can find this on Amazon or bookstores all over as well. Um, we have a couple of these. If you want to look at it, there's some out at the Info Center. Just kind of look through it. Is, is, is it something you want to invest in and get for yourself? Uh, again, just to supplement deeper beyond Sunday morning messages as well as the small groups. Um, and again, I was told as well that there are the first seven days of this devotional are, are available for free on the YouVersion uh, Bible app. So if you have, again, that Bible app on your phone, you can just search Not a Fan in there and find, find the first week of these devotionals on there uh, as well. So I just encourage you to take advantage of that if you're inter interested in that um, as we continue through this series. Um, last week, we started as uh, with week one and looking at the, the test that Jesus gave uh, his disciples as well as this large crowd about are they a follower or a fan. Right, and we saw, again, as Jesus kind of presented these, these uh, kind of different, different scenarios and questions to answer within our own lives and saying, are we just a fan of Jesus or a committed follower? And um, again, we know that that term fan, especially in the sports context, when we think about a fan as somebody that just sits back and cheers on and watches and observes, but is not an active participant necessarily in the game. And, and again, Jesus, as we saw last week, Right, Jesus was not really all that interested in having a lot of fans, right? but he deeply desires to have followers, people that are, again, um, active in their faith and continuing to grow. And so as we see, again, um, as a follower of Jesus, right, if we commit to being that follower, right, we need to know where we are so we can go somewhere new. And again, that was part of the discussion in our small group this last week was, you know, the first week kind of feels like kind of a... a, a hit in the gut, right? Kind of like of a, a wake-up call of like, wow, am I just a fan of Jesus? And, and again, even if you feel that way of just knowing, we, and we discussed about it, it's important, in order to go somewhere new, you first need to know where you are, right? So then you can have a plan to move, move forward, to, to move on. So again, I, I hope that, that again, the first week you're encouraged in that of knowing, hey, you know, if I do feel like there's some fan things in my life, but now I know where I'm at and I can move forward from that place. Okay, so this week, um, as we continue to, to work through um, this invitation that Jesus gives all of us to be followers of him, right, deeply committed followers, um, this message today is, is connected very closely to one of our core values. Our core value number four here at Oregon Trail is that everyone is welcome on the journey. Now, when we see that phrase, and again, even that core value phrase that that again, it's printed on the front of your bulletin every, every week, and one that I hope that we live out, we truly believe that everybody is welcome to join the journey and to, to come with Christ. Right? The gospel is open to everyone, but yet when we see phrases like that, um, we tend to have this kind of part of us that, that's in the back of our mind and be like, is that really true? Right? Is everyone really welcome? Because what's the fine print? What's the, what's the strings that are attached to that invitation? Because we get accustomed within our culture of realizing that there's always fine print. 
right? There's always some strings attached. You know, again, the, the old adage, right? There's no such thing as a free lunch, right? We know that kind of in the back of our mind, like there's got to be something attached to that offer, right? Is, is everyone really welcome on the journey? You know, thinking about this concept and, and uh, you know, when you think about in, in the mail, we get all kinds of offers and, and, and things coming. And, and again, getting the mail is a pretty big deal in our house. Like, it's something that, you know, like, it's our now. Again, for, for especially Maureen and the boys like to get the mail. I, I never get the mail. So even, like, if Maureen's out of town and she'll call me, she'll be like, hey, did you get the mail today? I'm like, no, I didn't. I'll have to go get it now. Right? Like, it's not a big deal to me. But uh, I remember one day our, our, our boys grabbed the mail and they get home from, from, from school, they grab the mail, they come in, and there was one of these, you know, um, car dealership, like, advertisement deals, you know, in our mailbox. Again, so, oh, so you guys have gotten them too, right? You, you understand, right? And, and this, this particular one had these little pull tabs on it, you know, like, they, you pull them open, see if you win, won something. And, and, and again, I remember, you know, uh, one of my boys pulled open the tab, you know, like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, pull it open, see if we won. They pull it open, and they're like, Dad, we won a car. Right, and, and I'm like, oh, really, you know, and I get a look at it, and it's like, sure enough, like, open the tabs, and you see, you look at it very clearly. I mean, we had won a car, and, and, and you know, they, again, they're all excited, and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure we won a car, son, you know, like, I said, because, again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, there, there's strings attached, right? There's fine print, like, you know, I, you know, yeah, at the back of your mind, like, well, maybe, I mean, maybe we really did win. I don't know, right? Then, then literally, a couple days later, I was walking through a parking lot. Okay, and, and by one of the cars that I walked by, I saw on the, on the dashboard, under, you know, like up on, under, inside the windshield was the same advertisement. Again, this person had, had obviously gotten, right? And, and again, the pull tabs were open, and I just glanced over and saw they won a car too. <laughs> right? now, I, know, I know, shocker. This is, this is shocking to all of us, right? And, and again, realize, right, like we know there's, there's strings attached, right? There, there's fine print, and realize like what is is given to us at face value is not always really true, right? And, and so we sit back again, even when we see this invitation of Jesus as he invites us all to be followers, there's this part of us that sits back and says, is it really everyone, right? Is it, is it really free, right? We're just not sure. Now, Again, Jesus, what I love about Jesus and his imitation is there is no fine print with Jesus. Okay, he tells us exactly the whole story, 100% true from the very beginning. Okay, and, and we see that, again, in our theme verse for this series in Luke 9.23, right? When Jesus says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Again, he gives us this open invitation. Again, anyone can be my follower. Okay, and he really means anyone, right? But again, he gives us the whole picture right here. He, there is no fine print, right? He says it clearly from the very beginning. If you want to be my follower, anybody can be my follower. However, to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross on a daily basis, right? And then you will be my follower. Okay, now he, again, he's telling us everybody's welcome, but this is the whole picture. Okay, and there is no fine print. There are no strings attached. Right, Jesus gives us everything from the very beginning. But he does, he gives us this invitation. Now, again, when he makes this, this 
this invitation to any potential followers, right? Jesus truly does invite anyone. Okay, and that's where I want to start again as we dive in and live deeper into this invitation, right? Is um, anyone is welcome. And Jesus means it. Anybody can come. Okay, now, it, Jesus, in, in, in his earthly ministry as a rabbi and as a teacher, as a religious leader, okay, Jesus took the culture that he was in and he completely changed the rules. Okay, and he turned that entire world upside down. And, and again, as we read through the Gospels and we see how he, he interacts with the religious leaders of the time, you know, they had a rocky relationship. Right? They did not enjoy Jesus because Jesus took everything about their culture and he changed the rules. He flipped it upside down and they didn't like that. Now within their culture, okay, rabbis would take on a special group of people called Talmud. Okay, now this word Talmud, again, um, is one that gets translated into our language as disciple or student. Okay, now in their culture, how they would take on these disciples right, was this, this process that would get them to this point. Now, every Jewish boy would start out when they were young in this religious teaching, okay? They would all get the same teaching. They would be taught the scriptures. They would be taught, you know, the meaning of their festivals and, and, and of all these things. They would start memorizing some scripture. And, and, and as the, these boys got older, they would start separate the star students from the ones that just, just weren't quite as, as good at it. Okay, and as they start to do that, they would reach this point in this boy's life, right, where they would literally separate them. Right, now, it's, in their culture, it was at their bar mitzvah when they were about 12, and, and they, they, they reached this age of accountability. And at that point, they would either continue on in their religious training okay, and, and, and become a Talmud or a disciple of a rabbi, or they would be released from this religious training and go into a trade. Okay, to most typically a family trade, right? So and then instead of becoming a Talmud of a rabbi, they would become a Talmud or a disciple or apprentice of their, likely their father, right? Or, or a master of a trade, and they would, they would then learn that trade. Okay, again, that was, as we know, these trades, I mean, for them, their culture, it was a fisherman, it was a carpenter, it was, a, you know, whatever it would be, right? These trades they would learn, and typically it was a family trade. So they would either become a, an apprentice, a Talmud, in a trade or with a religious leader. Now, interestingly enough, right, is Jesus was raised as a Jewish boy. And again, he was a carpenter before he went into public ministry, which, I don't know, it's interesting to me to know that Jesus did not pass their religious standards to become a disciple of a rabbi. So from the, every day of his life, again, he took their culture and was changing the rules. And now, again, at this point in Jesus' earthly ministry, he becomes a self-appointed rabbi and takes on his own disciples. Okay, now again, who did Jesus bring in to his disciples? He did not get, you know, the, the religious elite, you know, little boys that were ready to become disciples of rabbis. No, he went and chose tradesmen, right? He chose fishermen, right? He chose, he even chose a tax collector. Jesus changed the rules. Okay, and again, in doing that, right, Jesus is showing, right, that anybody is welcome. And when he says anyone, he really means anyone. 
right? And, he, and he, he lives that out, again, in the way that he brings on and invites his disciples. Okay, keep this idea, this concept in mind as we watch this short video clip again, from Kyle as he explains this concept a little deeper. When Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, he was making it clear that his invitation to follow is not just for the religious elite or for the morally upright, for those who have their lives together. His invitation is for all of us who are hiding some stains. Jesus said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Anyone. Anyone is a pretty inclusive word. Anyone can follow Jesus. Anyone who's ever thought to themselves, I've gone too far, my stain is too big. Anyone who's ever laid awake at night and said, I can't believe what I've done. Anyone who's ever looked in the mirror and said to themselves, I can't believe what I've become. Anyone can follow. Anyone can follow. And Jesus not just taught this concept, but he lived this concept out. Again, this morning as we open God's word, I want to start in Luke chapter 5. Okay, verse 27 through 32. And if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open with me to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. I invite you to open uh, one of those up to Luke chapter 5, and you'll notice on the message outline is the page numbers for where you can find that scripture in those Bibles. But we're going to, again, see how Jesus truly lived out this concept. Okay, in uh, Luke chapter 5, we're going to pick up at verse 27. And now this is where Jesus again, calls Levi, and again, Levi is also known as Matthew. It's the same guy, okay? And so, again, Luke chapter 5, verse 27, where it says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And so Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of, of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them, but the Pharisees and their teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to, G to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Again, as we see Jesus, again, living out this concept that anyone, literally, he means anyone is welcome. And again, rabbis chose their disciples, right? And Jesus chose his disciples living out this concept that anybody can be changed by the power of Jesus, right? He chose these disciples. And just as he, and notice, again, the, the, the tension that, that is, is happening here, again, the, within the religious elite and, and the, the, the standard, you know, um, culture, right, within that religion. They're coming to Jesus and being like, really? This is really what you're doing? Not only, you know, did, did you not make the cut? Not only did, you know, the, like none of these other guys, and now you are, are inviting scum, right? And Jesus is saying, no, anyone is welcome, right? That's really what he meant. Right, Jesus changed the rules when it comes to who can be a disciple. 
Okay, and, and as he as he changes it, right, again, he's reiterating to, to the Pharisees, religious leaders, as well as to all of us, and, and especially to his disciples, right, that, that anyone really means everyone. Right, that's really what he means. Right, is, is everybody is welcome. Again, there is no fine print. Right, Jesus' invitation truly means everyone. Now, as we, as we, again, dive a little deeper into this, this concept, I want to um, point out in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Again, he's talking about, uh, you know, our life as, as a follower of Jesus. And he says, so instead, meaning that as a follower of Jesus, your life's going to be different than the world, right? Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer— Always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Okay, now, as we think about this concept, right, of, of everybody is welcome, okay, notice, right, that he's pointing out that as a follower of Jesus, right, your life will be different. Okay, there is a way we all know that the kind of the world promotes of how you do life. He's like, but now as a follower, instead, you will worship Christ as the Lord of your life, right? Your life will be different. In fact, your life will be so different that people will notice that your life is different and they will literally ask you about how is your life different? Like what makes your life, again, full of hope? And again, we live in a world that is hopeless, that is lost, right? And yet, as followers of Jesus, our life should be different. Right, different enough that, that somebody asks about what is different in our life because they, they might want it too. Because you have a hope, again, that I don't understand. And then, again, when they ask, it assumes that non-Christians are watching. Maybe even fans are watching and saying, wait a minute, your life is different than mine. Okay, again, when they ask, Again, it, this, number one, is it assumes that your life is actually different. Right? Again, if the only difference between your life and somebody who does not follow Jesus, if the only difference is that they sleep in on Sunday and you don't, they're not going to ask. Right? But is there something really different about your life as a follower of Jesus? Because if you're a fan, there's not. Right? But if you're a deeply committed follower, there will be. Again, as, as we think about that idea, right, again, why would, again, somebody, somebody ask? Well, because they want what you have, what they see in you. Right, again, there's, I mean, there's only a few reasons why somebody won't ask, right? If they're not asking, you have to sit back and say, well, why are people not asking? Right, number one is if your life's not different, then there, there's nothing to ask about. Okay, the other possibility, right, is that we are completely so surrounded by other followers of Jesus that there's no, no non-believers that ever see our life. Because okay, if they already know, they're not going to ask either. And so again, that's a challenge to us as followers that we purposely put ourselves into the community and into things where we interact with non-Christians. Right, so that we can shine God's light. But again, notice this, again, this phrase, right, that says with gentle and respectful way. Now, I, and again, self-admittedly, self as Christians, we're not good at this. Hey, we're not good at, at talking to people about Jesus 
right, in a gentle and respectful way. In fact, the re reputation of Christians within our culture is that we're mean and we're judgmental. In fact, I, I saw, I ran across an article this last week online, uh, again, of a prominent religious leader, and literally the title of the article was, I don't want to be called a Christian, right, because Christians have a bad reputation. Right? How do we get to that place? Right? And, and again, it, it grieves you as much as it does me, right, about, like, again, I don't want to have, uh, again, or uplift this, this horrible reputation we have in our culture for being a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Right, and a follower, again, to be proud follower of Jesus. Right, and to say, yes, I, again, I want to do that. Now, again, part of that, right, is, is this unwritten church code that is, is attached to, again, to the religious culture of today. I tell you, as I've talked with people and different people, you know, find out I'm a pastor, and one of the questions they get about the church is, well, if I came, how, how should I, how do I need to dress if I come to your church? Right, and again, we have this code, right? They have this in their mind of all these reasons why they, they're not welcome at church. And again, they ask, well, how should I do? I'm like, you can wear whatever you want to wear, right? Like, you can dress up if you want to dress up. Some people dress up. Some people don't, and it's okay. But again, you're, you, you don't have to dress any certain way to come to church, right? It, it's, it's okay, right? But again, they, they almost in some ways feel judged before they ever show up. Right? And, and again, as we think about, does anyone really mean everyone? Right? And is the way that we're living out our lives you know, and our faith on a daily basis show people that anyone really means everyone. Again, Jesus didn't just get rid of all of the qualifications, right, when he gives us to be saved. Right? But Jesus said anyone. Again, by eliminating these qualifications, right, saying like, no, anybody, everybody really can't come. He eliminates the qualifications. He also eliminates the excuses, right? Because with no qualifications, everybody really is welcome. That also means that then the excuses are out the window, right? Because no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been into, right, God's blood covers that sin. Okay, and, and you are redeemable. Okay, no qualifications mean no excuses. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, again, foundational verse about the way of salvation. Right, is God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast. Again, we think about, again, the, the bad reputation of Christianity in our world culture. I'll tell you, one of the other parts of reputation of, in the world about Christianity is Christianity is the only world religion does, that does not based on works. Okay, Jesus is, is the only, right, like religious, you know, way of life leader, right, that did not promote salvation by works. Okay, and that, again, that's the good side, right, of the Christian culture, right, is that there's no excuses, right? It is by grace you have been saved, right? We cannot earn it. That's the very foundation of being a follower of Jesus. Again, this, this word grace, again, is, is very, very important. And this, the, the, in the last couple of weeks, again, we have uh, Launchpad. It's a Christian religious release time class for Middleton High School. They meet in our building. 
uh, every week. And again, I, I heard one of the teachers who was here teaching that class was talking about the difference between grace and mercy. Again, grace, right, is receiving something that you cannot earn yourself. Okay, so getting something you can never earn yourself, right? That's the definition of grace. Okay, my salvation. Again, I cannot earn it myself, and I get it by grace. Okay, now mercy is not receiving what you have earned. Again, when we talk about we're saved by the grace and mercy of God, right, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's, but they're not the same thing. Okay, but we need both. I mean, grace, again, is receiving right, something I can never earn on my, on my own. Okay, mercy is not getting something I have earned or deserved. Again, we, the only thing that we have earned or deserved from God, right, the wages of sin is death. That is what we have earned. By not dying because of our sins is mercy. Right, but then receiving eternal life and our salvation is by grace. I can never earn that. Right, you see, again, the very foundation of, of being a follower of Jesus, right, is that I am saved by grace when I believe. And again, by saved by grace means there are no excuses. Anyone is welcome to have a relationship with Jesus. Anyone. You have a hard, messed up sexual past. Anyone is welcome. Are you an ex-con? Anyone. Are you an inmate? Anyone. Recently divorced? Yes. Are, are you legalistic? Anyone. An alcoholic, a pothead, an addict, a hypocrite, anyone. Anyone is welcome. Again, you can be saved no matter where you are. And Jesus really meant everyone. But remember, though, there, uh, he was very clear from the very beginning, right? Is you can be saved. You can join the journey wherever you're at. Right? You can receive that by grace. And yet, though, Jesus says, but if you receive that grace, you commit to be my follower, I'm not going to leave you the same. When you join the journey and, and receive that, that grace and that mercy, then the real work begins. Right? Because then you're going to deny your cross. You're going to give up your way of life, right? And you're going to continue to grow daily. Right? You're not going to stay the same. Right? And that's, again, what Peter speaks it out in 1 Peter chapter 2. When he says, now as a follower of Jesus... Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and, and, and unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for his nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Again, a taste, right, of receiving your salvation, enjoying the journey is a taste of who God is. And he says, and when you experience that taste, now crave it and grow and continue to journey forward. Because anybody can come. Anybody's welcome. There is no strings attached to that salvation. But he does not want to leave you the same. Right? And, and then as followers of Jesus, we will continue to grow in our faith and move forward in our journey. Okay, and that's the last thing I want to point out today is it is anyone. Okay, and that is true. But it's everything. It's anyone, but it's everything. Again, Jesus isn't asking for just your Sunday mornings. Okay, Jesus is asking for everything. 
Again, when a Talmud was finally accepted by a rabbi, they would leave their homes, their jobs, whatever was holding them back, and they would go and they would follow that rabbi. Right? They would do life with that rabbi. They would literally follow him wherever he went and do life exactly the same way. And as we follow the rabbi named Jesus, it cost us everything. Again, for those disciples that he invited, right, is it cost them everything. Right, as they followed Jesus, right, and Jesus decided to live without a home and his students followed. Jesus, the rabbi, decided to go among the sinners and the shameful and his students went with him. And Jesus, the rabbi, decided not to flee from persecution and his students would follow. Hey, as a follower of Jesus, right, Jesus is asking us to give up everything. Right, but what's the promise? I mean, the promise, right, of Jesus is if you give up your life, then I will give you true life. And that's real life. Again, he's asking us to give up everything, and then he gives more than everything back. Right, but he's asking us to do that. Again, what does a life of a fully committed follower look like? That's where I want to end today is in this description of what a life as a fully devoted follower of Jesus looks like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Again, what does a fully devoted life look like when we give Jesus everything? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 14. He says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Again, what does a fully devoted follower look like? How do they act? Well, they are first and foremost are compelled by God's love. That's what makes us continue to get up in the morning. Right, is we are compelled by God's love. Yet we no longer live for ourselves, right, but we live for him. We view people differently. We view the world differently than we did before Christ. And we are committed to the message of reconciliation. 
right? Again, that I'm reconciled to my creator, right? And I'm committed to the message that everybody else needs to be too. Right? And then we take on the role of Christ's ambassadors. Again, now an ambassador is a guide. It is not an authority. Again, I can't save anybody and you can't either. That's not the job God's given us. Only God can save. Right? But our job is to be ambassador, to, to guide people, to show them where salvation lies. Right? To, to lead the way by our own life as we follow Jesus wherever he tells us to go. And that's exactly what Jesus offers us. Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived, and he offers us the chance to become his student. We can be a Talmud of Jesus. And when he says anyone, he means everyone. Everyone is welcome on the journey. And with no qualifications, we have no excuses. But even though he makes his invitation to anyone, he also guarantees that it will cost you everything. So are you ready to be a follower of Jesus? Right, he has given us the invitation, right? He's asking us to be his disciples. And he really means anyone. Right, and there's no fine print. There's no strings attached. Right, he tells us the whole picture from the very beginning. And Jesus is not all that interested in fans. But he wants all of us to be his followers. Which leads me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. Everyone really is welcome to be a follower of Jesus. But followers are expected to journey forward with Christ. Fans of Jesus will hold back. So what is your response to his invitation? He's inviting us to be a follower. Again, and I have no idea, maybe you already responded to this invitation. Maybe you've already received Christ as your Savior. If you never have received Christ as your Savior, I hope you will accept him today. If you can just pray to him, and even in these next few moments, as we close our service with another song, you can pray to him and just invite him into your life. And ask him again, through his grace and his mercy, to forgive you and to save you. And and maybe you have, again, received Christ as your Savior. Maybe you join the journey, but yet, we need to take it a little more seriously, right? We need to give him everything and be a deeply committed follower. And I, again, you can make that same commitment today. All right, respond to that invitation. God, that is our prayer this morning. God, that your spirit would come into our lives. God, we thank you that we're all welcome. God, you give us an open invitation, God, to be your followers. And God, we also thank you that you promised to not leave us the same. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we continue our journey of faith, God, that as we join that journey, God, you would redeem us and forgive us and save us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And God, I pray that as deeply committed followers of you, God, that we would follow you wherever you lead us. God, that your Holy Spirit would come. God, that we would live out our faith in such a way, God, that we would shine for you such a way that people would notice something's different. And God, help us as we go this week, God, with gentleness and respect, God, to represent you in our culture. God, we thank you, God, for saving us. We thank you, God, for changing us.
And God, we thank you for letting us be a part of your plan to redeem the world. Or continue to guide us as we leave this week. May your Holy Spirit come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.